Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. Today is Friday. It's the 29th of September. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. A Polk County judge has denied a motion to dismiss the state of Iowa and a state ride inspector from a lawsuit filed by the family of a boy who died when an Adventureland ride malfunctioned. The Des Moines Register reports 11-year-old Michael Jaramillo died at a hospital after the raft he and his family boarded on the Raging River ride overturned as they visited the park on July 3, 2021. In June of 2022, the Jaramillo family sued Adventureland's then-owner, Adventurelands of America Incorporated, which in turn was owned by the Krantz family of Des Moines. Michael Krantz and other senior managers were named as individual defendants. The Krantzes sold the Altoona Park to another company in late 2021. With COVID cases up again, the federal government has once again started offering Americans free at-home testing kits. As IPR's Natalie Krebs tells us, this means Iowans should double-check the expiration date on any older kits they have. The feds have started offering up to four at-home rapid tests to each household that requests them. However, these tests expire after a number of months. Brian Benson is the executive director of Unity Point House Pharmacy Department. He says over time, the solution you mix with the swab or the indicator panel could go bad, resulting in an inaccurate result. You know, you might get a false positive, meaning it could indicate that you have COVID when you don't, or you could get a false negative where it would say you don't have COVID and you do. So the accuracy is, is pretty much or could be you know, suspect. Iwin should first check the expiration date on the test kit's box. You could also check the Food and Drug Administration's website to see if that testing kit has been issued an extended expiration date. The Board of Regents has approved a plan for Iowa State University to tear down LeBaron Hall in Ames and replace it with a new building. ISU Vice President Sean Norman presented the project and says the building has too many issues to renovate. And built in 1952, the LeBaron Hall has no significant renovation since its original construction. The mechanical systems must be updated with poor air distribution and uh, inadequate air quality. The plumbing needs to be improved. Electrical and data systems need more capacity and distribution. He says replacing the building would address all these needs. Construction would start in the summer of 2024 with an estimated budget of $2.5 million. It would be funded by the ISU dormitory bonds proceeds. ISU also received approval for a project planning to renovate the first and second floors of the Human Nutritional Science Building. A Cedar Valley Community College has opened a robotics and automation center geared toward developing specialized skills for manufacturing jobs. IPR's Grant Leo Winterer has more. Hawkeye Community College's Automation and Robotics Center has been five years in the making. The center, located in a refurbished Waterloo John Deere factory, hopes to train high school graduates in automated manufacturing technology. Kent Wolf, director of the center, says that he's seen the need for the Cedar Valley manufacturing labor force firsthand. There's a tremendous need for more workers to fill those jobs, but even more importantly, 
workers that have these skills to work in smart manufacturing. The college's automation and robotics program initially began in area high schools to help close that employment gap. This fall marks the first for a three-semester adult-oriented curriculum. And a regulatory hearing for Summit Carbon Solutions pipeline permit has concluded for the week and will resume Tuesday in Fort Dodge. The Iowa Utilities Board had hoped to finish Summit's evidentiary hearing by the end of this month, but the cross-examination of witnesses has gone longer than it initially anticipated. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The EPA says food waste is the largest category of trash going to landfills. Community composting operations are popping up in cities across the country, hoping to keep that waste out of landfills and return nutrients to the soil. But not all cities are welcoming them, especially when neighbors complain about bad smells and pests. Harvest Public Media's Eva Tesfai reports on how cities in the Midwest are handling these new operations. On the urban farm herbivore in Kansas City, Missouri, Brooke Savaggio and Daniel Hurrier hold a scoop of what they call black gold. If you smell it, it just smells like fertility. You know? It smells, I mean, it just smells like really rich soil. Um, and, and when we put it out on the fields, it becomes really rich soil. <laughs> but not all their neighbors agree about the smell. While Savaggio says the compost is improving herbivores' yields, neighbors complain to the city about it being a nuisance. The city now says the operation requires a special use permit. Hurrier says they checked with the city before expanding back in 2021, and he says the city should be working with them, not against them, to manage food waste sustainably. I want to create more compost hubs like this around the city and the metro area, and the cities and other municipalities around this area, but Certainly the city of Kansas City should be helping us do that. Food waste takes up space in landfills and produces methane, a powerful greenhouse gas that contributes to climate change. Sending less food waste to landfills can save municipalities money and reduce climate impacts, says Brenda Platt of the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. But she says community composting can be a challenge for municipalities and cities. Local governments can either say, oh, you've got a problem, or they can help these operations that support their communities to overcome the obstacles. Platt says cities don't have updated zoning rules that address composting specifically. The Midwest is especially behind when it comes to supporting composting, says Jennifer Trent, a program manager at the Iowa Waste Reduction Center at the University of Northern Iowa. A lot of times it's a preconceived idea or notion that compost sites are foul places and that they won't be beneficial to the community. She says composting doesn't have to be a nuisance when done right, but she warns that one operation doing it wrong can ruin the practice for an entire region. If you have a compost site that's not complying with the regulations, enforce those laws. You know, don't allow them to continue until it's fixed. The U.S. Composting Council says having good zoning laws, enforcing them, and educating residents about composting helps make sure everything runs smoothly. When Ben Stanger wanted to start his business, Greenbox Compost, in Wisconsin, a lot of municipalities told him no. But he says Sun Prairie, just outside of Madison, was willing to change a zoning code for his business. It just happened to be that Sun Prairie, you know, really 
rolled out the welcome mat and, and helped us kind of work through this. Stanger is composting indoors with containers and using a slightly more technological approach to prevent problems like smells and pests. But the city is also doing its part by educating residents, says Jake King, the city's communications and diversity strategist. We really try to look at that public outreach and engagement so people know what we're doing and but most importantly, know why we're doing it. Back in Kansas City, Herbivore is appealing its violations and hoping that will result in larger changes to city rules. Assistant City Manager Melissa Kazakowicz says that city leadership is currently in discussions with Herbivore on how it can better support composting and urban farming. Kansas City and every other city in America has an opportunity to think about how it manages its waste in a different way. The challenge for cities is figuring out how to not only support composters, but also how to regulate them before the problems start. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Eva Tesfai. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including IPR News, covering agriculture, food systems, and rural issues. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Clay Masters.